0: Amen. I want to say thank you to everyone who is here today. We appreciate our guests being with us today. Thank you so much for coming to the Truth Church this morning. Praise God. Those that have joined us online, we appreciate your uh, virtual presence, Adam. Appreciate you joining us. And uh, I really do mean that. We do appreciate it. I know there are a number of folks that are sick. And uh, so they are listening online. And I'm thankful that we can provide this medium for them. I am thankful that it is available to those who need it. Praise God. Amen. What a privilege to be in the house of the Lord today. And uh, we're going to get into the word of the Lord this morning. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We've been in a series of study. I began at the first of the year, and now it's hard to believe that we are getting close to the end of the year. And out of 13 lessons, I'm still on Lesson 5. I haven't even made it halfway in a year. And this was supposed to be a one-quarter series. And it looks like it's going to be about two and a half years. But I don't apologize. I know we've had we've had a number of guest speakers, and, and then as I was trying to get my body back on Central Time, uh, had folks filling in again last week. When I look back, it's been a month since I last taught on Sunday morning, and. Uh, so you have to take all of that into consideration as well. It's not just that I'm that long-winded; uh, that it takes me a year to get through less than half a quarter's lessons. It's not entirely that to blame. Uh, but we'll see if we can at least finish lesson five today. I'm not making any promises see how far we can get, time permitting, and what the Lord will allow. But as I said when I started this series, that I really felt led, prompted by the Holy Ghost to begin this year what would be geared toward new converts, but to do more than just offer new converts or newcomers basic information, though that's the overarching goal, it's not the only goal. And I tried to provide material for even the established saint and we'll continue to keep that dual focus in mind as we continue on this series. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 has been our text for Lesson 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And beginning with verse number 6, the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth says, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. We are laborers together with God. I want to focus on that phrase, laborers together. Laborers together. Not just with God, though that's vital. But we are laborers together with each other. And that is also vital. Amen. So this is, I think, part four of lesson five. As we continue to look at laborers together. Would you put your Bibles down? Lift your hands, lift your voices. I need the touch of God today as well. Let's pray together, everyone. In the name of Jesus, let's thank the Lord together. Everyone before you're seated, let's give God a little more praise here. Everybody, let's give Him some praise. Let's lift our voices in praise to Him. And God bless you. You may be seated. Because it has been a month, uh, I do think all of you understand the need for me to do some review and um, remind you of where we are in this lesson. Uh, we began by talking about the apathy that has unfortunately plagued our world, and it is it is a fact that we are consumed with apathy. We live in an age in which people are more interested in videoing an attack than they are in intervening to stop the attack. They're more interested in in posting about themselves on social media and letting everyone know they were eyewitnesses than they are in trying to help someone in need. And that's a sad commentary on society. I, I know that as a young man I grew weary of hearing the elders make this statement, but now that I am... Elder, I can't help but make it. This is not the world I grew up in. This is not the America that I knew as a boy. It's just not. And I've got news for you. It never will be again. We have crossed a line that we will not, we will not, be able to correct. And that's a fact. I don't mean to be a prophet of doom this morning. I'm just telling you the truth. We will never regain our morals. As a nation. As a nation, we'll never regain our morals. It's not going to happen. I don't care who you put into office. We're not going to regain our morals as a nation. Those things are lost. We've had entire generations that have been raised with a different mindset. Instead of of learning a life of service, they have been taught a life of selfishness. It's all about what you want. What makes you happy to the point that people get offended and have have a breakdown if you use the wrong pronoun. We're, we're not interested in making others happy. We're only interested in being happy. Now, I, I say we collectively. I, I'm not speaking of everyone. I'm, I'm just talking about our nation in general. It's a sad fact. And here is the worst fact. Unfortunately, the church allows the world to impact us and to change us to become more like them. We allow those same attitudes and ideas to become a part of our, quote unquote, Christian walk. when there's really nothing Christian about selfishness. There's just not. That's that's the farthest thing from Christianity. Becoming a Christian, as I've stressed over and over through these weeks, is, is the process of becoming more and more like Christ. And I challenge you to find one time that Christ was ever selfish. You know, one of the things that we miss in the Gospels, we we don't really pay attention because it's not just clearly stated, but the implication is there of how many times that, that Christ was up late. Dealing with people, teaching the multitudes, taking care of needs and then back up early the next morning to repeat the same process and to do it all day long. Right. Wow. Now look, I know, he was, I know he was God manifest in the flesh, but let's not take the emphasis off that last word. He was God manifest in flesh, human flesh. He felt the same weariness. He felt the same exhaustion. But never did he say, I'm sorry, I don't have time for you. I want to go do something else. Never. It just wasn't a part of who he was. And if we are striving to be Christ-like, that is one aspect that we must try to change. We've got to get beyond me. We just have to. We have to. I'm telling you, if the church will just care enough to get involved, there is so much we can accomplish to save the lost, and to change this world. Yes, hallelujah. If we'll just care enough to get involved. Right, right. Big impact. We talked about in our very first lesson, a newspaper article some years ago, where it, it discussed the number of people that looked out their window and watched a crime take place. And the fact is that as investigators began to try to figure things out, they found that many of them admitted that when it started, they just pulled the blinds down so they wouldn't have to see. Now, in today's society, they would have pulled their phones out and recorded it. But but back then, they just didn't even want to see it. And um, we then must ask ourselves the question, who is the greater enemy? The one committing the crime or the people closing the blinds to keep themselves from being involved? And before you answer that question, let us then apply the same question to our lost and dying world. Who is the world's greater enemy? The one that is actively destroying their soul, or the ones who could help them but choose not to. If we are truly going to call ourselves a Christian, We cannot be indifferent. To be Christ-like, we must get involved. We must. And not just in the lives of those about whom we care the most. Because again, that's not what Christ did. Christ gave His life For the sinner. For those that rejected him. The people who put him on the cross. Were the ones for whom he died. He said himself I didn't come to call the righteous. But sinners to repentance. And we've got to recognize that those who wanted to be his enemy. Were the ones for whom he gave himself. And that's a lesson for us to learn. Praise God. Now, we, we then began to branch in this lesson into what it means to truly be involved. And in order to do that, we went back and looked at the pattern of the early church. And we started seeing in what ways they were involved. First of all, the Bible tells us that they continued in fellowship. That's a part of what the original church did. It wasn't just an occasional thing. It was a continual event. They continued daily, the Bible says, in fellowship. Every day they were in contact with one another. And in fact, when you consider the word fellowship, it's translated from a Greek word that means partnership. It means communion. It means participation. Every day they were participating with another child of God. Every day doing something with their brothers and sisters. the responses are getting fewer and further between. But we need to be involved with one another. I'm telling you, when we start isolating from our brothers and sisters, we are asking for trouble. We are putting ourselves in a position to come under attack. I'm telling you, I know enough about nature to know. When you get into the wild, what many of those animals of prey want to do, if they see a herd or a flock, they want to catch one by itself. Someone sent me a little clip just the other day of a... Uh, I don't remember now if it was a cheetah or a leopard. It's hard to tell the difference. You have to look closely at the spots. I don't remember which one it was. But, but um, it, it went after a baboon. You'd think it would be an easy target. But the problem was the rest of those baboons turned and took that other animal down because they stuck together. But I'm telling you that the devil, the Bible says, is as a roaring lion. The lion is not the fastest animal in the jungle. Nor is he the most powerful. But he is stealthy. And he creeps up on one animal that's not with the rest of the flock. Or the hurt. And I'm telling you the devil is like a lion. That's what Peter said. Under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. So you know what that tells me? That the worst condition I can get in. Is to become isolated from the rest of the flock. Right. Amen. Because the moment I become isolated. I am vulnerable for the enemy's attack. But if I'll surround myself with the people of God, there is protection in numbers. Amen. I need the body of Christ.
1: Yes, yes, amen. amen.
0: That's right. I need my brothers and sisters, and you do too. Yes. We need each other. That's right. amen. In fact, I, I gave you scripture that clearly says that every joint. Supplies something to the body. And the implication of that verse is this. There is not an individual in the church who doesn't perform some function in the body of Christ. You may not know what that function is. You may not recognize what it is you're doing. But I'm telling you, God puts you in the body for a reason. He's got some job you're doing. And I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes, sometimes that job seems so minuscule, so minute, so unimportant that the devil can easily convince us we don't matter. But can I say to you, Can I say to you today that sometimes just being a smiling face sitting on a pew can bring encouragement to somebody. When you're struggling the most and you're going through your worst battles, You just fight your way to church and you get here. You don't know what that means to somebody else that's going through struggles and they know. I know it took a lot for them to be sitting where they're sitting right now. They made it here and so can I. Sometimes just a handshake. Just a pat on the back just saying praying for you sometimes that's all someone needs well and, and look I, I don't I don't want to turn this into something negative but it's really easy for us sometimes to focus on well nobody did that for me but let me just remind you that God established what is called the law of the harvest. You reap what you sow. So let me ask you, when's the last time you did that for someone else? If you sow, the Bible promises you will reap. So if you're not reaping, I have to question just how much you're sowing. Well, my first Sunday back, and here I am already stirring up problems. I can't help it. It's the pastor in me. I've been doing this for too long. Forty years is a long time. You establish some habits, you understand. It just happens. We need each other. We've got to have each other. We need the body of Christ. We can't make it on our own. Uh -uh. And that's why it's important what body you associate with. Because if they're not, if the body you're associated with is divided, if it's full of spiritual disease, you know, somebody can say, Say, you know well, I've got I've got lung cancer, I got pancreatic cancer, I got kidney cancer, but I got a healthy finger. It just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And and that's why if the body that you're attached to is filled with spiritual corruption and sickness and disease, you can only remain healthy for so long. You've got to be attached to a healthy body. And and neither can you just cut that finger off and set it off by itself and say, okay. Now, the rest of the cancer, it's not going to get to you, see, because you're healthy, so you just stay over here by yourself and and you'll not get cancer. Well, you know, something worse than cancer is going to happen. Many times cancer can be treated, but you cut the finger off, it cannot survive without being attached. To a body I don't care how healthy it is you 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 detach that healthy finger from the body and it will die so you need to be attached to a healthy body we need one another we need one another so I, I Let me me move on and talk a little bit more about the early church and how they were involved. They not only continued in fellowship, but here's something else they continued in. Let's go to Acts chapter 2, verses 46 and 47. This has kind of been our key passage in examining the early church. And I would just remind you there's a reason why I I look to the early church. I'm not looking to some church here on earth. As my example, I want to look to the early church. The one that was started by those who were the direct followers of Jesus himself. They had a hands-on training from the master. If anybody knew what a church ought to be like, those men knew. And so I'm not going to try to look at some modern church, regardless of their size, and say I want a pattern after them. I'm going to look at the early church and pattern after them. So here's our verse, Acts chapter 2, verses 46 and 47. Read for me.
1: And they continually daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God, and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved.
0: Now, there's a couple things that I want you to notice. First of all, in verse 46, they continuing daily. Everyone say continuing daily. Daily. Continuing daily. Then I want you to notice in verse 47. Now, we talked about what they were doing daily. They were breaking bread from house to house. So that's fellowship, gladness and singleness of heart. That was daily. They did that, continuing daily in fellowship. But look at verse 47. This is still the same sentence, continuing daily,
1: praising God.
0: praising God. All right? So let's talk about that. They continued in worship. They continued in worship. You see, a few times a year or even a few times a week was simply not enough for the early church. First of all, it's not enough for the God we're worshiping. I mean, honestly, do we think, do we really think these, these these people who are holiday Christians, they show up Easter and Christmas. Do they really think that that's enough for the God they serve? That's all that he deserves out of my year. I'll come to church to celebrate his birth and his resurrection. That ought to be enough. Try that with your spouse. I'll be home on your birthday and our anniversary. Until then, you won't see me. I got things to do. I'm busy. What kind of relationship will you have? What kind of relationship will you have? You won't have one. There will be no relationship. And so why do we think we have a relationship with God when we show up for his, at His house twice a year? All right, well, let's carry it a little further. Let's try this with your spouse. I'll see you three times a week. That's not going to work either. A relationship requires constant participation. Now, there will be times of absence. Those things happen. But you've got to do your diligence to work at that relationship to keep it at the level it needs to be. And I'm telling you that God deserves more than twice a year or even three times a week. God deserves more than that. He's worthy of much more than that. They were continuing daily in their worship. Every day they had contact with God. Well, praise God. Now, I would point out to you that they were continuing daily in the temple. So first of all, let me say that the meeting place for the church, the existence of the building and its comforts, affords men the opportunity to obey the Scriptures. Because the Scriptures command us, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25,
1: not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching.
0: Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Now, isn't that interesting? Are these people who say, well, I can just worship God off here by myself. I can get Please explain to me how you fulfill Hebrews 10.25. By yourself. Explain how you can be by yourself together. Or together by yourself. No. It is the assembling of ourselves. Uh, plural. It's coming together as a body. Please don't ever discount the importance of the house of God. I I understand, and I've said it myself. I know, you know, we we say the church is not the brick and mortar and pews, and that's not the church. The church is the people. I've said it myself. But I'm telling you, I've said it a whole lot less post-COVID. Because we learned at COVID that the church building didn't mean as much to some people as it did to others. I'm not talking about staying home during COVID. I'm talking about after we came back. We learned. People thought, well, you know, this watching church online, listening to church online, that's a pretty good deal. I can stay in my PJs and bunny slippers. I can listen online. I I think, I don't remember who it was for sure. And he may have told it in the pulpit. I don't know. If you've heard it, act like you haven't. But, but I, I heard a pastor talking about seeing someone in town that um, he invited them to church. They said, no, oh, no, 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 we go to church. He said, really, where? They said, well, we, we watch such and such a church online. We're faithful every service. And he said, really? And And so he said, well, let me ask you, when you get sick, Does that person come see you and pray for you? How many times has that person ever been to your house? How many times, and on and on the questions go. And the fact is, never. There's something about it that being a part of the church and being in the church building, God still honors. In fact, God desires. That's not to negate our daily walk with God, our prayer time at home. That's not to say there aren't going to be work schedules and sicknesses and you name it. All kinds of things that will prohibit us from being at church from time to time. But I'm just telling you, we cannot get away from the beauty and the power of God. Being in the house of God. Amen. That's right. Amen. That's right. That's right. In fact, let me just show you something. Now, Hebrews 10.25, if that's not enough, if that's not enough, and really it ought to be, in fact, get your Bible and turn to Hebrews 10.25 if you would. And um, I, I want to just point something out to you just in case that's not enough to convince you Hebrews 10:25 now Hebrews 10:25 is not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is uh, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching the closer we get to the return of the Lord the more we ought to assemble together but then what is verse 26 now this is verse 25 everybody got that what comes after 25 26 yeah that was a real simple question there this is really profound stuff so the very next verse opens with these words for if we sin for if we sin willfully willfully now that points back to verse 25. yes sir there's no getting around that verse 25 says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Verse 26 says, for if we sin willfully, after that. Obviously, forsaking the assembling of yourselves is a willful sin. That's the only way we can interpret this passage. Now, if that's not enough, let's, let's get back to the printed ones, and let's go to Psalm 150 and verse 1.
1: Praise ye the Lord. Now, this is
0: a command. This is not just a statement. It's a command. Praise ye the Lord.
1: Praise God in the sanctuary.
0: Praise God where? Where? Hmm. I know it goes on to say, praise him in the firmament of his power, but that's two separate things. He's not repeating himself, he's not stuttering, he's not saying the same thing in two different ways. His sanctuary is not the same place as the firmament of his power. So, yes, you can praise him in the firmament of his power, and yes, you should. In fact, yes, you are commanded to do so. Your praise should not be limited to the church. But your praise must include the church. In order to be obedient to Psalm 150 verse 1, You can't praise Him in the sanctuary unless you are in the sanctuary. Again, that's not profound. It's just a fact. The only way to praise Him in His sanctuary is to come into His sanctuary and praise Him here. Well, hallelujah. Psalm 116, verses 18 and 19. Out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So I'm just trying to use good biblical uh, hermeneutics here, good biblical exegesis here. I told the guys at Africa, unfortunately, now I know that's a big word, some of you don't even know what that is. Um, but exegesis is, is really the, the interpretation of Scripture it is, it is drawing from the scripture what is actually stated. That's that's exegesis. Pulling from the scripture what's stated. The, the opposite of that is called eisegesis. And that is trying to read into the scripture what you want it to say. That's a dangerous thing to do. You don't want to be guilty of eisegesis. Uh, you want proper exegesis. Exo, exterior, coming out of. All right, so, but I told the guys in Africa at our last seminar, I said, unfortunately for some preachers, it's exit Jesus. I mean, they just pushed him out the door when they started interpreting the scripture. Um, I I saw an example of that just last night, in fact. Somebody shared a little something where they were praying that God would miraculously open a door for a young boy to get into a nightclub. And they pray, and they they quoted the scripture that that um, God God opens doors, and 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 um, I think that's exit Jesus. That's that's exit Jesus. That's <laughs> um, he makes a way where there is none. In that. Look, that that's. So I'm just trying to give you proper proper. Exegesis today. And 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 I'm I'm using two or three witnesses to establish a principle. And the principle is we have an obligation not just to worship, but to worship in the church building. And so here is witness number three, Psalm 116, verses 18 and 19. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now as
1: the presence of all his people. Now in the
0: presence
1: of all his people.
0: How are we going to do that by ourselves? How are we going to do that alone? I can get off in the woods and God can speak to me. Yes, he can. Yes, he can. Uh. Nature is my sanctuary. Well, it may be your sanctuary, but that doesn't make it God's. Nature is the firmament of his power, but his sanctuary is somewhere else. But if we're going to do this in the presence of God's people, in the courts of the Lord's house, we've got to do it in the courts of the Lord's house. Do you see this? This is what the Scripture requires of us. Well, praise God. Again, I know there are situations. I'm not, it's so easy. I, I reminded um, a preacher of this just the other day. It's elder Verbal Bean um, made a statement years ago when, when he said, you know, as preachers, we've got to be very cautious because we start stressing a point and if we're not careful, we can, we can stress it so strongly that we exclude other things and I want to be careful not to do that. That's why I'm constantly qualifying statements like this. God requires us to come to church. He really does and yet there are extenuating circumstances but when your extenuating circumstance is every service, um, I heard a man say many years ago, you know, Jesus, Jesus in rebuking the Pharisees, they, they, they questioned him uh, for healing on the Sabbath. And he said, well, which of you has an ox that falls in a ditch? You don't go and retrieve it out of that ditch on the Sabbath day. So, so there was a man that the pastor asked him about why he was missing church so much. And he said, well, preacher, he said, I, you understand, I just got an ox in the ditch. And the pastor looked at him and he said, as much as you're missing, you either need to sell that ox or fill in that ditch. There are situations. I understand their situations. I know that there are things that come up. I understand. I've been there. I was there just a couple weeks ago. I couldn't be in church. I was in Africa. I was in church four days straight from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. for those four days. But, but I wasn't able to be Here with the saints of God, I wasn't able to attend. There have been times I have been sick. There have been times I've had to travel. I don't like to travel when it's church time, but there are times I've had to do that. I I understand that those situations come up, but I just want to show you that God still wants his people to gather together to come together at church. There's an experience to be had here that we cannot get alone. Look, look, Saints, I, I don't want to spend all of, I, I really do, I would really like to finish this lesson, but 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 look, when you're enjoying something, you know it's human nature. You don't, you don't want to just enjoy it alone. When you hear, I've watched this over and over and over in human behavior. Somebody tells something really funny. You know what is, the first reaction is not just to laugh. You know what else is a part of that? It's to look around at somebody else and make eye contact with them. Watch and see if it doesn't happen. You start really laughing and you're going to look for somebody else and make eye contact You're wanting to share this experience with someone else. It's a part of human nature. We don't like enjoying things alone. It just becomes that much more enjoyable or pleasurable or exciting or whatever if you can share the thrill of the moment with somebody else and I'm telling you that's no less true when we come to church You can sit at home and listen online. You can can see things happen. But I'm telling you, there's nothing like sitting here with the people of God, feeling what we feel at the same moment we're feeling it, rejoicing when we rejoice, crying when we cry, shouting when we shout. There's nothing like being together with the people of God in God's house. Just nothing like it. You watch people. I don't care if it's a ball game. Something great happens, they start looking around the crowd. They want to make eye contact with somebody. They'll beat a total stranger on the back. High fives. They don't even know the person. They don't know where that hand's been. They don't care at that moment. All of a sudden, germs don't matter. You're just enjoying the moment. That's just our makeup. That's that's who we are as human beings. It is not good, God said, it is not good for man to be alone. Not good. And man didn't even know what that meant when God said it. Because at that moment, God had no, man had never been around anybody else. All he knew was alone. So it's not like he's sitting there thinking, man, I wish I had somebody to talk to. Because he'd never had anybody to talk to. God said, this is not good. This is not good. He needs somebody else. There's got to be somebody else. Just the way it is. Praise God. And all of the single people are saying amen under their breath. Well, I don't want to get sidetracked, but I will tell you this. I have not experienced it for myself, but I've been in enough counseling sessions to know there is something worse than being miserably single. I have sat with enough couples to know being alone is not the worst thing in the world. Just had to throw that in because, again, I don't want to sound exclusive when I deal with something, all right? Um, But. Back to my point. There's nothing like coming together with the people of God and enjoying a church service and being blessed. I don't really like the word enjoy when it comes to church because this is not here for your enjoyment. This is not entertainment. Unfortunately, to many churches, that is what's going on. It is entertainment. Everything is choreographed. Everything is... is dim the lights, shine on the stage. These are the performers. That's not the way church is supposed to be. I've said this before. I say it again. That's, that's, that's diametrically opposed to what God wants for a church service. With a church service, there's only one in the audience. And that's God. He's the only audience there is. And everybody else is on his stage. And God is the critic, if you please, of our performance on the stage. If we use the church service as the place to catch our nap, Our audience is making note. If we use the church service, I got to get off that. I got to move on. I'll never get done. But God is looking, God is looking at our performance. And it really should be a performance of the heart. It shouldn't be choreographed, it shouldn't be something that is staged. We may be on God's stage, but our actions should not be staged. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. It needs to come from the heart. I'm telling you, I, I I love good singing. I love I love good harmony. I love to hear groups sing, but I like nothing better than when somebody just steps up, takes a microphone, and just Opens their heart. They may not hit every note exactly right. But you know they are singing from the depths of their soul. Many times not even making eye contact. Just their eyes are closed. Their hands are raised. They may have tears streaming down their cheek. But you know that they're not singing to you. They're singing to God. I'd rather hear that than the greatest choir and orchestra ever put together. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. And God would too. Yeah, right. yeah. So the early church, one of the things that they continued daily in, they continued daily in worship. But listen, worship is more than praise. Right, right. Praise is a part of worship. But praise is not worship. Do You understand how that can be? It's just like a man is a part of the human race. But the human race is not men. The human race is men and women. Period. End of discussion. Male and female created he them. Now that's, that's the way God did it. But, but I can say this is a subgroup. Men, is, that's a subgroup of humanity. And so the same thing is true of praise. It's a subgroup of worship. But don't conflate the two. Don't confuse the two. In fact, you can praise without worshiping. I've seen praise that was not worship. I've had to deal with. I've, I've seen, I've watched, and, 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 you know, we see this, and I'm not throwing stones at them. I love the people there. If I didn't, I wouldn't keep going back. But, but I, one of the things we have to deal with over there is, is they love to dance. And I do too. I think it's great. I believe it's a part of worship. But unfortunately, what I've watched is many times they'll get out and do the fanciest footwork they can do and they're grinning and they're looking at somebody else and they're making sure that others are watching them to show them just how good they can dance. It's a strange phenomenon to us, but they do it all the time. And I'm going to tell you, they may be praising, but that's not worship when they're doing it to please someone else, when they're doing it so someone else can compliment them, that's not worship. But praise alone is just a subset. It's not worship in its entirety. True worship is the sacrificial giving of your time, your talent, your treasure. Let me show you. This has been pointed out many times, but for those who haven't seen it, Genesis chapter 22, verse 5. Listen to the words of Abraham.
1: And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I, the lad, will go yonder and worship.
0: Now, 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 what is Abraham going to do? He and the lad. But what are they about to do? He's about to offer his own son as a sacrifice. But he didn't say, I and the lad will go yonder and sacrifice. He said, we're going there to worship. Because that's the reason for this sacrifice. This sacrifice is my way of worshiping God. Now, Abraham wasn't up there doing a dance. He wasn't up there clapping his hands. He wasn't singing a song. Are you hearing me today? That's not what he was doing. He wasn't up there praising But he was up there worshiping. And so I submit to you today that worship really involves the sacrifice of our time, our talent, and our treasure. Listen. The only reason that we can have a church building is because somebody sacrifices. I'm thankful that when we walked in this morning, the place was clean. When we flipped a light switch, the electricity came on. I'm thankful that the water's running. But you want to know why those things happen? Because somebody takes the time to give. First of all, the electricity, the water, the insurance, those things are not free. We don't get them given to us just because we're a church. In fact, a church gets charged commercial rates, which means you're a business, therefore you can pay more. Literally, that's what it means. A business will pay more. Will pay more per kilowatt for electricity. Will pay more per gallon for water. You know what your monthly utilities are just for your family. Multiply that rate by several times. And recognize what it costs for those lights to come on when we flip a switch. And you know why they're on today? Because people have sacrificed. People have sacrificed. They've given their hard-earned money to make it happen. You want to know why it was clean? Because people sacrificed. Because people get in here and do the dirty jobs. They vacuum and they dust and they wash windows and they take out trash and they clean the toilets. They don't have to do that. Everybody who does it is a busy person just like you. They've got family just like you. But they love God and his house enough that they sacrifice. They sacrifice. They sacrifice. Thank God for our singers, our musicians. Some of them, it's like every service. Every service. They're up here faithfully. Do you know how much easier it would be for them to just sit in the pew? Do you realize they get here 30 minutes before prayer time starts? That's an hour before church. They come an hour before church ever starts. Well, some of you are looking at your watch wondering when we're going to get out to go eat. Realize that there are some that have been here for an hour longer than you were already, at least an hour. Why am I saying all this? Not to put a guilt trip on those who don't. I'm saying that to show appreciation to those who do. I want them to understand this is worship. What you're doing is worship. I heard Bishop Johnson talk about the great revival that they experienced in Colorado Springs, and he would talk about how many times he would go down to the church and he'd walk in, and and Sister Webb, who's now, um, is she in her 90s now? I, I don't know. She's up in years. She's still alive. But he talked about how many times he would walk into the church building and she would be in there pushing that vacuum cleaner back and forth over that carpet, praying and talking in tongues the whole time. She didn't see vacuuming the church as a mundane chore that had to be accomplished, she saw it as worship. The men who went down to Lay Scene this weekend and gave up their time to lay flooring and to hang siding and to paint walls. Why did they do that? They did it as worship. It's worship. I regretted I couldn't be there yesterday. I was sick all day yesterday. And I know that you all understand. It's one of those things, that happens with life it just happens i i didn't feel much like being there friday night but i went i wanted to be a part of what's going on did what i could i've said before you don't want me swinging hammers i invariably hit the wrong nails Now if you want a demolishing crew, I'm your man. Yeah, I can do that. That'd be great. <laughs> but if you want it demolished properly, tell me to go in and fix it. That's the way I'm going to it's going to just end up being torn down. It's just the way it is. I'm sorry. I'm a preacher. I'm not a carpenter. And some men are both, and that's fine, but I I'm just not But I want to do what I can. Because I love the work of God and I love the cause of reaching souls. And some didn't go physically, but you gave financially to help. Pastor Hilton told me more than once how overwhelmed he was. Feeling like, in his words, this church went above and beyond. In that not only did we have men down there working, but we gave him a good offering to cover expenses to help them with the effort. And it was it was greatly appreciated. But see, we love the cause of God, we love the work of God. This is what worship is yeah. being involved, being involved in what needs to be done. It's a form of worship. if you could just see you coming to church today as not just I'm meeting an obligation, but I'm here. Here I am to worship. I'm not just in church because I have to be. I'm not just here because he requires it of me. But here I am to worship. Hallelujah. That's why I'm here. Hallelujah. I came into this house because I love Him. I love him. And I want to worship Him with my presence today. Yeah. I want to honor Him with my presence today. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. There are those that are called to preach the gospel and are willing to go. But everybody is called to be a saint. And that doesn't necessarily require going. But it does require giving. Not necessarily financial giving, but as I said, giving of your time and your talents. People who paint, sew, decorate, mow the grass, repair the plumbing, replace light bulbs, and fix electrical problems, and and, and work on the, the, the machinery, and the equipment, and the vehicles, and and operate the sound system and lay the carpets and build cabinets and vacuum and polish and scrub and cook and plan and pray and visit the lost and, and check on the sick and go see about the hurting. Yes, I'm telling you, it's all a part of worship. Right. Right. Hallelujah. Don't do it with, with, with a grudge. Don't, don't do it regrettingly do it as worship unto God. Amen.
1: Amen. So good.
0: The efforts of all of that are centered around Christ and His church. And every church is what it is because of people who willingly get involved. If everybody came and nobody got involved we wouldn't have a church. You ever thought about that? If everybody just showed up we wouldn't have a church. We'd have a group, but it wouldn't take long for the paint to start peeling, the sound system to break down, the lights go out. If people don't want to be involved, there is no church. So, you know what the church needs? Do you know what the church needs? The church needs your involvement. Many, many years ago, my first pastorate, I read an article where a pastor was interviewed and somebody asked him about involvement of the people. And he said, I want to tell you, what bothers me the most is not that all the people are not involved in everything going on. That, that doesn't bother. me. There are things that some people don't get involved in that doesn't bother. What bothers me is that some people are not involved in anything. Now, that was him many years ago. I understand that statement better now, nearly four decades later, than I ever did. The church needs you to participate, to be a part. Not everyone can give financially. Not everyone has talent. For some people, it's just a matter of giving your time. But we need everybody to be involved. All right, I've got about 20 minutes, and... And I've got a little bit more here still to go. Um, I I don't know. I don't know. Let me me hit one more area, and we're probably going to have to have a part five. So that's not all. The church continued in fellowship. They continued daily in fellowship. Everyone say daily in fellowship. Daily in fellowship. They continued daily in worship. Everyone say daily in worship. Daily in worship. But that's not all that they did. Let's look again at Acts chapter 2, verses 46 and 47.
1: And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved.
0: All right, now we've dealt with this breaking bread from house to house. Eating their meat with gladness, singleness of heart, that was the fellowship part. We've dealt with praising God. That's the worship part. But now look at this last part of verse 47. And having favor with all the people with all the people. That's not just one another. Well, that got quiet. Why do I say it's not just the other members of the church? Because of the next statement. And the Lord added to the church daily, Daily. such as should be saved. Now, if they weren't gaining favor with the people outside the church, how did they add to the church everything? So the third thing that they continued daily in, they continued daily in outreach. Outreach. And I want you to notice that the first step of real outreach was gaining favor with all the people. Hmm. When we're rude and short-tempered, I can almost guarantee you, you're not going to win that person to God. In fact, I I think I'm pretty safe in taking the almost out of that guarantee. I think I'm pretty safe in saying I can guarantee you you're not gonna win that person if you're rude, if you're hateful, if you're short-tempered. You're not gonna win that person to God. Well, I don't care what people think about me. Well, you should. Now, not to the point that it matters more than what God thinks about you. The apostle Paul said it this way, he said, If I seek to please men rather than, than, than God, then I'm not even the servant of Christ. If I have to make a choice that I've got to make people happy or God happy, I'm going to choose God. But let me tell you that in most situations, you're not faced with that choice. In most situations, you can do both at the same time. In most situations... You can can make people happy and thereby make God happy as well. I've talked about this and talked about this and talked about this. And thankfully, I do believe this church does it. If somebody that's a part of this church doesn't do it, I don't know if I even want to know. I think I'd rather just live in bliss. But I have stressed over and over and over and over. When you go to a restaurant, you treat that server the way you would want to be treated. Not the way they treat you. It's not, it's not turnabout is fair play. It's not get even. It's not, well, they were rude to me, so I'm going to tell them off. No. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know what they're experiencing in their life. You don't know if they've just gone through a nasty divorce or just lost a child to leukemia. You don't know if their bills are two months past due and they're about to be evicted. You don't know what's going on in their life that's giving them this Rude disposition. And you know what they need is not somebody to get back in their face and give them what for. What they need is to know somebody out there cares about who they are and what they're going through. I've told this story many times. I'm going to tell it again. But years ago, before I ever started pastoring, when I was working in Christian education, um, we started going out on a Sunday night as apostolics do. You know, I've said it many times for us, it seems like church is not over until you've eaten. I mean, that's just, we just kind of make that part of our rituals. We just, we're going to go eat somewhere, we're going to eat somewhere. Um, and so, especially when I was young. Now, now that I'm older, I'm telling you, I'm happy going home and and heating something up, and I'm I'm fine with that. Get to bed. Uh, a good night's sleep is is really nice. Uh, the older I get. So, anyhow, as a young man, especially, we we would go out every Sunday night, and we started going to this one particular pizza place, and and we we just treated that waitress she was reluctant about serving us she didn't she did not treat us kindly but we overwhelmed her with love and kindness always leaving a very good tip always taking care of things cleaning up after ourselves not leaving a huge mess See, that's what our pastor had taught us. Elder McLean, it it was, I've never seen this, and I'm going to be honest with you, I haven't gone this far. He didn't quite get this into me. But I've watched him many times. We would go to restaurants. Now, he's gone on to his reward now, but but, but many, many times we would go to restaurants, and I would watch him. When we finished the meal and he knew everybody was done, he acted like he was the busboy he would get up and start picking up plates and he would stack all the dishes and stack all the silverware and stack all the cups and he'd go find the bus tray and he'd take it and he'd wipe the table down. I haven't quite gotten that far. Pray for me. But a lot of times I will stack the tray, the, the plates and the silverware and I'll kind of clean up and straighten up some things. If I see some straw papers laying around or... Sugar wrappers laying around, I'll stack I'll I'll try to, you know, I'll I'll try to straighten up some there. I don't get the table spotless when I leave, but but I I do try to do some. And I always make sure I give them no less than twenty percent. Well that got really quiet. (laughs) I know, I know. I've heard people say, Well, with Jesus only requires 10%. No. No, Jesus requires 10% of your income. That's much different than 10% of what you're spending. Um, Many of these waiters and waitresses are working for less than minimum wage. It is the one area that the law of, of minimum wage does not apply to. Sometimes they are literally making a dollar or two dollars an hour That's it. plus tips. Some of you didn't know that. But that's a fact. Would you like to be supporting your family on two dollars an hour right now? So the only hope they have is that somebody will come through and have a little mercy and give them a decent tip. And for years, the standard was 15%, so I would try to, try to do no less than 15. I've bumped it up to 20, sometimes 25. I have given 30 or more, depending on what I feel. You say, I can't afford that. Well, then go fast food. I don't mean fast food. I mean go to eat at a fast food restaurant. go somewhere where it tips not required or don't go out to eat i have literally i one time my wife and i early in our marriage it was our anniversary and i took her to a restaurant and it was one of these restaurants where you you place your order and then you come down and and ring up at the end after you've placed your order at one place you move down to the register and you 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 pay for it there and 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 we had ordered and when I got ready to pay, I opened my billfold and realized I had enough to cover the meal. But I had nothing left for a tip. And so I asked the lady, I said, ma'am, could I please change my order? And she said, why do you want to change your order? She would already rung it up. It would already been put in. Said, why are you wanting to change your order? I said, to be honest with you, I just realized I've got enough money to, to pay for the meal, but I don't have enough to leave a tip, and I, I don't want to do that. I'd rather order something less expensive, so I've got money for a tip. She looked at me in absolute shock and, and walked away and went to the manager. And the manager came back, and he said, sir, let me get this right. You're wanting to change your order because you don't have money for a tip and you don't want to eat without leaving a tip? I said, yes, sir, that's right. He said, don't worry about changing your order. I'm going to tip your waitress for you. She'll get a good tip today. Well, I thanked him and thanked him for that. But I, 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 I'm i telling you, I've tried to never do that again. I'm going to do what I can. And, and I promise you, the restaurants that we, we frequent, they generally know, and when we walk in the door, they know they're going to be treated right when they see our faces. Amen. Amen. Many times they know exactly what we want. They treat us that way because we treat them kindly. That's what Christians ought to do.
1: Amen.
0: Yeah. Now, I'm still talking about outreach, so let me go back to this story. So here was this waitress, and, and she wasn't treating us very kindly. But we would tip her nicely and we would take care of her and we, we treated her right and, and we would invite her to church. And you know what? One day she came and she prayed through to the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And she told us afterwards, she said, when you folks first started coming, nobody in the restaurant wanted to serve you. And here's the reason why. There was another group from the same kind of church that used to come here. They were rude. They were demanding. We could never make them happy no matter what we did, and they would not leave a tip. And she said, all of us, the entire wait staff, started calling them the God Squad. Well, here comes the God Squad again, and we would fight over who had to go wait on them because nobody wanted to. And when we saw you folks come in, we thought, yep, they're part of the same group. And nobody wanted to wait on you either. And I got the short stick. And I started waiting on you, and it didn't take long for me to realize you were not like that other group. There was something different here. And it didn't take long for me to realize whatever you had, that's what I wanted. Thank God. And if I remember the story correctly, she prayed through, her husband prayed through, her kids prayed through. Hallelujah. God saved an entire family. Why? Because somebody went into a restaurant and treated somebody nice. That's what I'm talking about, gaining favor with the people. Right. Saints of God, this is essential. And I believe for most of you, you've got this. I believe it's in your heart. I'm just saying what we already know. Just reminding you, this was something the early church did. Outreach was not a once a month event. I've said it before. I say again, you wouldn't have a farm if you only went out and worked the farm one Saturday a month. Now we've got to understand outreach is not a one-time event. Outreach is a lifestyle. Right. We've got to have the same purpose Jesus had. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's got to be our purpose. That's got to be our function. Everything we do has got to be about reaching the lost even coming to church we come to worship yes but I come for a secondary reason I come because I'm hoping that I meet somebody in that service who does not know Jesus Christ and I want to do whatever I can do to help point them to him I want to win them to him I want them to get the same experience I've got I want them to repent of their sins I want them to be baptized in Jesus name I want them to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost evidenced by speaking in other tongues I want them to get what I've got. And so church is not just about how I'm feeling today. It's not just about whether my life's going okay today. It's not just about whether I'm feeling okay today. It's about is there somebody in this building that needs Jesus? If there is, I'm going to push past my sickness. I'm going to push past my problems. I'm going to get past my financial difficulties. If somebody here needs Jesus, I'm going to give it everything I've got because I want to win them before the service is over. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's everybody stand. I'm going to close at this. I'm not finished with this lesson, but I'm going to close with this. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's why we can't afford to have a dead service. That's why I don't care how tired you are, how sick you feel. I don't care what's going on in your life. When you come to church, you've got to make up your mind, I'm going to do my part to have the best service I can have. Because somebody here, somebody here may need something from God. And I'm not going to be the link that breaks the chain. I'm going to do everything I can to keep the spirit moving. I'm going to do everything I can to keep the power flowing. I don't want to be the one that creates a disconnect somewhere in the service. It's all about reaching the lost. It's all about helping the needy. It's all about doing something for somebody else. This is our calling. This is our empowerment. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 says, But ye shall receive power. After okay, that the, the Holy, Holy Ghost has come upon Holy you. Ghost. And you shall be You shall be. You shall be. You shall be. Witnesses. You shall be. Witnesses. Not you shall witness But you shall be Witnesses Unto me Both in Jerusalem And all Judea And in Samaria And the uttermost part of the earth I'm telling you God gave us the power to do it And he gave us the calling to do it This is what we ought to be about This ought to be the most important thing in our life I want to win somebody else I want to reach somebody else I want to help somebody else else. Oh, let's lift our hands and talk to him one more time, can we? Let's talk to him. Let's talk to him. Hallelujah, God. Thank you, Lord. your word,
1: Jesus, God. Let it be part of
0: him. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. I love you, Jesus. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. If you're here today without the power of the Holy Ghost, let me tell you, this service is for you. This service is for you. You can have it today. If you'll repent of your sins, if you'll just ask God to forgive you, ask God to have mercy on you and pledge your life to Him and then ask Him for the gift of the Holy Ghost the Bible says He'll give it to you if you'll ask in faith God will not withhold it from you He'll fill you with His glorious Spirit and when it comes you're going to speak in a language you've never learned this is all found in the Scripture. If you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, you need to be baptized in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And to everyone else today, I think it would do us all some good to make our way to an altar and let God know we're committing ourselves to you once again. I give myself away. Brother Hilton had no idea what I was going to be teaching today, but what perfect songs that he started this service off with. Here I am, Lord, here I am. I give all myself to Thee. What perfect songs we sang to start this morning. And I think that ought to be the mindset and the heartbeat of every individual in this congregation today. God, I give myself to you. I want to be involved in your kingdom. I want to work for you. I want to do what you want me to do, God. Well, let's talk to him right now. Let's talk to him right now. Come on, let's talk to him, everybody. Lift your voices to the Lord. God, make me what you want me to be. Help me, God. Help me, God.